0: You're listening to show eight of the Real Estate CPA Podcast. You're listening to the Real Estate CPA Podcast, our platform for educating real estate investors about business, accounting, and taxes. You'll get actionable advice that you can use to increase profits for your real estate venture. And now your host, an entrepreneur who happens to be good at taxes, Brandon Hall. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate your time as I know it's valuable. So we're going to try to leave you with some hard hitting information. Pretty excited about today's show. It's all about the real estate professional status. A lot of people have a ton of questions about it. So hopefully this will, this show will clear some of that up. We've received some really awesome feedback on our, I guess, better produced show Uh, I'm really pumped to bring you this content every month in the form of podcasts. And if you're liking what you hear, please leave us a rating on iTunes. If you want to schedule a consultation, head on over to the client's page on our website and click the button for a new client consultation. A member of our team will then reach out to you with the next steps. So let's get started. The coveted real estate professional status. What is it? What isn't it? When do you qualify for it? And how and when should you even use it? That's what we're gonna learn in today's show. So let's do it. What is it? The real estate professional status is a federal tax election that allows you to deduct all passive losses caused by passive activities like rental real estate without limit. This is advantageous for taxpayers who have a modified adjusted gross income of $150,000 or above as they are phased out of taking their passive losses. What it is not, is a professional designation. So many people confuse this tax designation with a professional title. So for instance, people think that you must have a real estate license to be considered a real estate professional. While true in the professional world, you do not need a real estate license to qualify as a real estate professional in the IRS's eyes. It's an important distinction to make. Anybody can qualify as a real estate professional. You do not have to be professionally, I guess, a real estate professional, like your LinkedIn page does not need to say that you're a real estate professional in order to qualify in the IRS's eyes. All right. So when do you qualify? Greater than 50% of your time has to be in real estate. So that eliminates folks with full-time jobs. Additionally, 750 hours need to be worked in real estate. So we've got a greater than 50% of all of your time has to be spent in real estate activities. Doesn't have to be specifically rental real estate activities, but just has to be real estate. And at least 750 hours have to be spent in, again, real estate activities. Does not have to be rental real estate, just has to be real estate. Those hours need to be logged on some sort of of personal log that you carry around. That could be an Excel sheet, it could be a Google Calendar or Apple Calendar. Uh, it could be a handwritten notebook um, or what we recommend is using apps that actually record your time. So something like harvest.com or T-Sheets. Those are two really good options for you to record your time. Exploring and researching time will generally be disallowed as hours counting toward the real estate tax status. So make sure that you log additional hours related to your rental real estate that are outside of the exploring and researching time and make sure that those additional hours, again, outside of the exploring and researching time can can hit that 750 hour mark because that's gonna be important. So greater than 50% of all your time, 750 hours, that's only the first step. That's what qualifies you as a real estate professional. And what we are concerned with as rental property owners Is deducting our passive losses so there's two steps to this first you have to qualify as a real estate professional the second step is that you have to demonstrate material participation in your passive activities so once you qualify as a real estate professional we then have to show that we also materially participated in our rentals and our other passive activities so there are seven tests to material participation the one we see used most often is a 500 hour rule so we have to demonstrate that we've worked in our rentals for five 500 hours. And that's generally not going to be hard if we've already met the 750 hour rule to qualify as the real estate professional, because if we are primarily working in our rental activities, we're not brokering, we're not leasing, we're not building, constructing, then obviously of the 750 hours, they're primarily going to be used towards that rental real estate activity. So of the 750 hours, we've probably hit the 500 hour rule just by, trying to qualify as a real estate professional as is. But that might not necessarily be the case. Let's say that you are a real estate agent and you are full-time a real estate agent or broker. Um, So all of your time is spent in leasing and brokering deals. Well, you would have to then go and show an additional 500 hours spent on the passive activities. However, here's the catch. If you have 10 rentals, that means you need to spend 500 hours on each individual rental because each individual rental is a separate passive activity. So you can quickly see that that's 5,000 hours total. That's insane, right? Nobody's gonna qualify for something like that. So there is a grouping election that allows us to group all of our passive activities together as one big passive activity, which makes the material participation point rather easy to meet. So we've got, again, just to recap, two things that we need to meet in order to deduct our passive losses. So we've got to qualify as a real estate professional, that's step number one, and that's 50% of your time has to be in real estate and at least 750 hours has to be in real estate. The second step is demonstrating material participation in all of our rental activities, which is generally showing that we've spent 500 hours on that rental or passive activity. So now that we know what it is and when we qualify for it, how and when should we actually use it? So the how is rather easy. It's an election on your tax return, an annual election. You can elect it one year and then decide not to elect it the next year. It's totally up to you and your advisor. You do need to seriously record the time that you spend. Uh, Again, this kind of goes to the how. We don't want to elect the real estate professional tax status if you've not been recording your time. Otherwise, we could be in a lot of trouble. We'll touch on that in a second. The win. So when should we elect this? There's a couple of times that we should definitely elect this, but the first one is the obvious one. It's when we're phased out of passive losses due to one spouse's ordinary income or W-2 income, putting us above that $150,000 mark. The non-working spouse in this situation will typically be the one to qualify as a real estate professional. Uh, again, we do have to make it legitimate. They do need to actually record their time and they do need to actually participate for the stated hours. But once qualified, all passive losses from the rental real estate activities can be deducted against the first spouse's ordinary income. So you can see that it's it can be an extremely powerful tax planning tool if used correctly. The second big time that we definitely want to use the real estate professional tax status is when we perform a cost segregation study. So a cost segregation study allows you to accelerate depreciation on your rental properties. So rather than depreciating all components over 27 and a half years, we can depreciate personal property over five and seven years and land improvements over 15 years. So you can see for the first five years, you get this nice depreciation boost which increases your write-offs and likely leaves you with a large passive loss. Well, we want to be a real estate professional in order to actually use those losses. Also, the timing of cost seg studies matter. So let's say that we run a cost seg study in the fourth year of owning your rental. When we do so, we are allowed to take the additional depreciation that was missed In years one through three. So again, we were running this cost segregation study in year four. We didn't do it in years one, two, and three. So the IRS allows us to accelerate or write off all of the depreciation that we've missed in years one, two, and three, which generally means in year four, we have a huge write-off due to the depreciation so year four same thing can be year five whatever year makes the most sense for you you do the cost segregation study you accelerate all of the missed depreciation that's a very powerful tax planning tool that we're not going to really dive into at this time but the key is is that in any year that we're going to do that if we're accelerating Uh, if we're doing this cost segregation study not in the first year and in another year, then we definitely want to qualify as a real estate professional in that year because you're going to get this huge depreciation boon and we want to make sure that you're going to be able to utilize all of that depreciation write-off, that's going to cause some pretty large passive losses. And if used appropriately, you can sometimes wipe out your entire tax bill, which results in a massive refund. So we've helped some of our clients achieve almost six-figure refunds by appropriately timing this this real estate professional election and kind of coupling that with some cost segregation studies and the timing of those cost segregation studies. It's definitely not for the faint of heart. The IRS analyzes, Returns electing the real estate professional status so if you're audited you have to have your ducks in a row so again that's it's that time log demonstrating that you've spent at least 50 percent of your time in real estate uh, you spent at least 750 hours on real estate those hours are not exploration and researching They are costs directly related to the rental activities the operations of those rental activities And then you're also demonstrating that you've materially participated in those rental activities and again if you're not doing like some other real estate profession like if all you do is manage the rental real estate then the 750 hours when you qualify for the real estate professional status will hit that 500 hour material participation thresholds and again just as a reminder, we have two thresholds that we have to hit. We have to hit the real estate professional status. That's step one. And then step two is is we have to demonstrate that we have materially participated in our rental activities. And if you have multiple rental activities, meaning that you have multiple properties, like almost every single one of my clients, we just have to make a grouping election to elect all of the rentals as one big passive activity. And then we just have to spend 500 hours to demonstrate material participation in that one big passive activity. If you enjoyed today's show, please visit therealestatecpa.com for our newsletter, tips, articles, and podcast show notes. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate CPA Podcast. We'll see you next time.